Welcome to the Twice Born Podcast. I'm Mike Bailey. I hope you are doing well. On this session, we're going to be talking about being Christ-centered and how important it is for us to center our life on Jesus. If you haven't already, you can go to the website twiceborn.net and get more information. If you have a question or you would like more information, please reach out to me, twiceborn uh, at gmail.com, and I hope you enjoy Christ-centered life. My dad encouraged me to learn how to share my faith. And so when I was in high school, I went to Nyack, New York, and there they trained us at Nyack College on how to be uh, someone who can share their faith effectively with strangers. And so we went into the pier in New York and we would share our faith. And, and it was a daunting thing, and it was an amazing experience, and it was something that really expands you as a Christian. I would encourage you, if you have an opportunity to get trained and equipped, we've done it here, but to be really intentional about going out into the world and sharing Jesus, it's, it's the greatest adventure you can be on in life, is to be a witness for Christ. One of the things they had us do as we were going through the training was to pray about who's that one person that God has put in your life that you're praying for that needs to know Christ, needs to know Jesus. And I can remember as I was praying about it, there was a certain individual, a good friend of mine, that God kept bringing up into my spirit, kept bringing up into my thoughts. And it was someone that I had a burden for. And so I, I wrote his name down, and, and they say, you know, write a letter of what you're going to say when you get back, when you go back to school, and, and you interact with that person so that you can have that conversation. And, and I went back uh, to school, and I was waiting for that opportunity to share with my friend. And my friend was, was a very big wrestling fan back in the 90s. And I don't know if you paid attention to wrestling at all. Probably you were all great people, and you never have looked at wrestling once in your life. But he was a big Austin, Steve, Steve, Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. So maybe you've heard that name or maybe you haven't heard that name. But Stone Cold Steve Austin had a shirt that said Austin 316, and all the people in the crowd would wear Austin 316 shirts. And my friend came to me one day and he said, Mike, I know this is from the Bible somewhere. What does this mean? Why did he put Austin 316 on his shirt? And so that was the open door, the open door to share about Jesus. And that's referring to John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whomever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I said to my friend that it's a free gift, that when you confess and believe and you give your life to Christ, he becomes your Lord and your Savior. He saves you from your sin, and he becomes the Lord of your life. And it's the most amazing thing you can do. And I'll never forget our conversation. Because he said, Mike, I really like the idea of going to heaven. And, and I like the idea of what you've said about Jesus. But I can't give my life to anyone. I can't hand over control of my life to anyone. And he never prayed to receive Christ. And we live in a world that's resisting the message of Jesus. It's an amazing message. It's the most powerful message. It is the gospel. And yet, so many reject it. So many ask the question, why should I give my life to Christ? Why is Jesus so important? Why should that even matter to me? 
And so this morning as we've gathered here, that's a question maybe you've asked in your life. Why, why is this Jesus so important? Why do they have these churches that meet and talk about Jesus? Why do so many people talk about Jesus like he's so special? You know, we had a, my dad, who's always ready to witness to someone, uh, we had a conversation on the beach yesterday. He was here 10 minutes and we're already witness to somebody. And this individual was, uh, he was from India and he was a Hindu. And we started to talk, and you know what I've recognized? What I've recognized is around the whole world, everyone knows what year it is. Everyone knows it's 2021. And I think God has made that clear to the world so that we are without excuse. Anyone, I've been in Haiti, and they knew what year it was, and I said, well, what happened 2021 years ago? What significant event that we determined all of human history on? And, and few people really think about this, but it is in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ who determines all of human history. And all of us have to decide. This man who is the, the center point of the book of, of the, the story of mankind, he's the very middle. He's the one that determines what happened before him and what happened after him. He said some really profound things. Why is he so important? Why did we make that decision as, as humans to put him in that position? And so I believe the best place to look for this answer, the best place is God's word. What does God have to say about this? So as we look to God's word, let's precede it with prayer and ask the Holy Spirit of God to reveal the truth that he wants us to know today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you that at any moment you could have walked away and said they are rebellious and they do not love me and I no longer will have any relationship with them. You would have every right to have done that to us. But instead, you humbled yourself. You became like one of us. You were tempted every way we're tempted and yet you did not sin. You allowed yourself to be hung on a cross. You allowed yourself to lose the relationship with your father for that moment when sin was placed upon you. And then you rose for our victory, that we may have relationship with you forever. Lord, as we talk about something we've talked so many times about, help us not to miss it. Help us not to lose the power that it is, that your gospel is the most powerful thing in the universe. And that one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that you are Lord. And so, Lord, as we look into your word, reveal it in a way that moves us to action and moves us to not just hear it, but to do it. And so we give you praise and we glorify your name because we are excited for what you will do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
As we look to God's word, we see that in Acts, the church is established. And we've been talking about that every week, about the first church was known for its commitment to God's word. It was known for its commitment to prayer. It was known for its welcoming of people in and sharing the gospel and seeing life transformation. And we're told that daily people were giving their life to Christ. And the only reason any of that was happening, the only reason there was such growth and health and power in the first church is because they were Christ-centered. They were wholly Christ-centered. How do we know that? Well, we're told throughout Scripture, here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, here's what it says to us. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so as we look at this verse, we see that Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. In 2003, I had the privilege to join a group of believers as we went to Brazil. And in Brazil, one of the tasks we had while we were there was to build a church from scratch with the local uh, workers. And so I have never built anything like that in my life and had no idea what we were going to do. And so we began that process. And we had to get the rocks, and we had to get uh, the cement, and we had to get stones that were big enough uh, to fill in some of the gaps, and, and we had to have water, and, and we had to uh, build trusses that would go up on this frame. And one of the things we built were these very heavy trusses made out of, I, I'm not pronouncing this correctly because it's in Portuguese, but aya, wood. And this wood is so dense that it sinks. It's some of the most dense wood on the earth. And it would take about 20 men, very strong men, to pick these up and then to place them in the right grooves that had been set up within the wall that the roof would then be put over so there would be protection from the elements for those that would come and worship like we're worshiping right now. And what I've learned as I've, I've asked and, and tried to grow in my knowledge of how is a building built, I've been told that there is a, a stone that a mason will find that is of the most purest of whatever tool they're using, whatever uh, type of rock or stone or brick, they want to find the most pure, perfectly uh, uh, built or, or, or set block, and they'll place that in the corner of the wall, and that will be the cornerstone. In some places in the world, they actually have a ceremony. They, 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 will, they will stop and they will recognize this is the cornerstone which we will build the rest of the building on. And the, the function and the strength and the longevity of this building will have much to do with this cornerstone. That what you build the rest of this building on will be measured by this cornerstone. Later, if something in the wall were to break, you go to the cornerstone to find out the proper material, to find out what is the ideal and so the cornerstone is a place of reference. The cornerstone is the most perfect part of the body, part of the building. And so when it says Jesus is the cornerstone, 
He is the point of central focus. He is the one that I am to look at in my life. The first church understood, and I am to understand that every area of my life is to be focused in on the cornerstone of my life. And that cornerstone will help me with how I spend my time. The cornerstone will help me with how I spend my money. The cornerstone will help me in how my relationships are to be. The cornerstone is the point I look to for reference for building my life. And if the cornerstone is off, the rest of the building's off. And when you put anything heavy on the top, uh, when I was on this trip, we had, I, was, I was with Pastor Daryl Orman. He was about 6'4", 300 pounds. And we were building these, uh, these mud bricks, and he fell and knocked over a whole side of the building that we had to rebuild. And I'm telling you, I mean, it takes time for these walls to dry and harden. But when they harden, they're really hard. But when they're soft, you can punch right through them. And so it was so vitally important that everything was done precisely. And you think of Haiti today, and you think of the earthquakes, and, and you can see the damage. And then you think of places like Japan where they have earthquakes. And yet because they're so meticulous in what they do and everything is so precise, even these 50, 60-story buildings just sway because there's a point of reference that's accurate and perfect. And what a reflection it is on our life. When the hardest times in your life hit, if the cornerstone is right, you will stay standing. But there's a temptation, there's a problem, isn't there? There's a big problem. The big problem is I'm always tempted to be my own cornerstone. I'm always tempted to go on my gut feeling, my emotions, my logic, my understanding. And I use my own image, my own thoughts, my own perspectives as the cornerstone in my life. And then as churches, we fall into the trap of not looking at the cornerstone of Christ, but replacing it with something else. And so we have a problem. Now, there's a big problem in the world. The world has a major problem because the worldview is this. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so when we talk about Christ as the cornerstone, when I talk about Jesus as the center of my life, he is my Lord and he is my Savior, when I use those terms, the world says you're a fool. How could you believe that? Why would you believe that? Because if, if my cornerstone is me, then making me happy is the most important thing in my life. And I would never understand someone else putting something else in that cornerstone position. And so I have to have love and empathy for a lost world that is blind, recognizing that they are never going to truly understand the love and, and the preciousness I have for the cornerstone that's in my life. And the outside world, and this is where we make mistakes sometimes, we're so worried about what the world thinks of the church. We're never told to worry about what the world thinks about the church. We're always told to think, what does God have to say about our church? 
What does God have to say about my heart, my life, my actions, all the things that I do? What does God feel about the actions of this church, of us as a body? What is God's perspective? What is God's view? And he wants us to be Christ-centered in all that we do. And so there's a problem. Jesus doesn't make sense to the world. And so everything we do will be weird and strange and, and won't understand. Maybe you have someone in your family and says, how can you be a Christian? Look at what they believe. How can you follow that? We shouldn't be surprised when those things come. It should, it should take us to our knees in prayer that the eyes would be open, that the ears would hear, that the, the gospel would penetrate and, and change those views of the world that have been so deeply rooted in so many. That God's gospel would plant itself in our hearts in a way that people couldn't deny the truth in our church or in our own lives. But you know, it's easy to judge the world. We really need to look at ourselves in the mirror. James talks about looking at the perfect law of love within the mirror. John, 1 John 4, 1 through 3 says this, the issue that we have in the church. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. Because many, many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You see, the problem in the church is uh, someone can speak really well or someone has a great idea. And people begin to rally around a book or an idea or a principle that seems to be very successful. And, we, and you see things happening and you say, well, this must be true. And then, and then you begin to listen to who's the, the person that has created this idea. And you recognize they do not believe Jesus is the only way to God. They have rejected the, the, the statement that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him, that they reject the truth of God's uh, Christ's deity. They reject the truth of, of, of the fact that he came fully man and fully God and was tempted in every way that we're tempted. They reject those things, and yet they have great ideas. That's a false prophet. That's a false teaching because Jesus is not the cornerstone. A man-made Jesus is the cornerstone. And, and it is very easy as a church, as Christians, to fall into a trap of a man-made Jesus. And the best way to find out if this is the true Jesus is to ask the question, do they believe what Jesus said is true? They they believe what we know about Jesus to be true, that his words have revealed to us today. Every church needs to be judged on its view of Jesus and nothing else. People say, why do you connect with other pastors from other denominations? Because I believe it's not a denomination thing. I think it's a Jesus thing. Amen. Jesus is the focal point. I'm not going to a Baptist heaven. I love the Baptist. I'm not going to a Baptist heaven. I'm going to a Jesus heaven. And in heaven, there's going to be all kinds of denominations represented there. But the only thing that's going to matter is that they trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen. That's it. And so we have to be very careful that these false teachings don't saturate their way in. And then we build a whole view, a whole, uh, even a structure that's built 
on a false teaching of who Christ is. He has to be the cornerstone. He has to be the central focus of all that we do. He has to be the glasses that we wear that give us the view of the world around us. Because if he's not, when the earthquake happens, when the wind blows, when the, the hurricane comes through, this building will collapse. Our lives will collapse. Because only his cornerstone has life that's eternal. So what's the answer? What is God's answer to this problem that the world thinks it's foolish, the church has been saturated with falsehoods? What's God's answer? 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, and I choose a precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone is the, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once where you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The answer is that you and I, when we come into this room, and when we meet in a Bible study, and when we meet at McDonald's, we become the rocks and the bricks that the Holy Spirit of God is building his kingdom with. And as we mesh closer together, and as we learn to love each other, and we learn to bring in the lost, and as we learn to love God more, he cements us closer and tighter and stronger together. And what is he building? What is he building? He's building his home, his kingdom home. And he wants you to be a part of his kingdom home. When he came and he died and he rose again, he established the true cornerstone of heaven. He set up his spiritual home's base. He said, this is where it begins. He told Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overtake it. And it will grow. And it will be my bride. And it will be, my, it'll be the thing that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in. And that when we sing his praise, we sing the glory of the one we love. We have this amazing opportunity. This is why we're here. The oneness in Christ that brings us together. And it allows us to be stronger. It allows us to live with purpose. You know, the world can't answer the basic questions of life. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? The believer, the one that makes Christ the center of their life, knows that Christ created them. Christ has a purpose of binding us together and strength and inviting others and seeing him lifted up and worshiped and glorified so that one day when he returns, this will be our eternal state. 
Aren't you sick of being sick? Aren't you sick of the politics? Aren't you sick of all the anger? Aren't you sick of all of the issues of our world? Aren't you sick that your eyes don't work the same? Your ears don't work the same? Your legs hurt? Your ankles hurt? Aren't you sick of that? Aren't you sick of being let down? Aren't you sick of problems in this world? You know, God's sick of it too. But he's patient. And he's patiently waiting the perfect time to when he returns and his kingdom is revealed. But you know what, when, that king, when you enter that door, none of us in this room know what it's like to live in a world with no sin. You have never experienced an existence where sin isn't around you constantly. And when you step into that presence, sin is no more. Sin is no more. What does he say? He says, when the gospel, when this stone is precious to you, when Christ is precious to you, you will never be disappointed. Let me tell you something. You'll be disappointed with your money. You'll be disappointed with your stuff. You'll be disappointed with your success. You'll be disappointed with so many things in this life. You will never be disappointed with Jesus Christ as the center of your life. And so I would encourage you, center your life on the light of Christ, and you will not be disappointed. How do we apply this? Remember, paint has no purpose if it's not applied. Let's apply the paint of truth. First, I would say ask God, ask for God's will to be done in your life. We're told to pray that every day. God, what is your will for me? How should I live my life? How can I be a husband, a pastor, a teacher? How can I live out the way you have created me so that I can bond closer with my brothers and sisters in this spiritual building, this kingdom you're building, as, as you as the cornerstone? How can I live so your will leads me, not mine? Have you acknowledged Jesus as your cornerstone in your life? Is Jesus the cornerstone of your life? Do you gauge everything else in your life on the cornerstone? I would encourage you to plan your life around knowing and sharing Jesus. So we're getting to the end of the year, and we're going to come into January, and you're going to make a schedule, and you're going to, make a, you're going to have a planner, and you're going to plan what are you doing in your days and your weeks and your months. Well, plan to be in a Bible study. Plan to start your day reading God's Word. Plan to get to know God and Jesus more and more every single day. Plan it. Don't hope. It will never happen if you're waiting for it to happen. It'll never happen just because. It'll only happen just because you make it part of your life. Will you do that? Will you be intentional? Make a plan. And not only to spend time and grow and become more like him, but to share him. To share him. There's nothing better in life than to share the gospel. There's nothing more uh, fulfilling in life than sharing the gospel. There's nothing your friends and family need more than the gospel. There's not a greater gift that you can give than the gospel. And then finally, pray that others would trust Jesus as their cornerstone. Is there someone, who is the one person in your life, just like when I was in high school, the one person in your life that you have a burden for, that, that it aches your heart to think about, that you want so desperately for them to know Christ as their cornerstone? We're not alone. We all have people in our life 
that God puts in our life intentionally so that we will take advantage of the fact that if we pray for him, God will do something. He will move. God always answers prayer. We just got to trust that how he answers it is his will is perfect. What are the next steps for all of us in this room? Before he can be your cornerstone, you have to repent and believe. You have to be born again, twice born. Have you been born twice? When I met with those people in New York, we had to be very clear about it is repentance and belief. How do we know that? Romans 10.9, Paul lays it out clearly because he was speaking to Romans and those that were not in the faith on a regular basis. And this is what he says. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's a belief that you need Lord Jesus in your life. It's a belief that you can't save yourself from death and sin. And only he can. And it's trusting him. And in that trust, he, he you, as he enters into you, begins to mold you and shape you. And he speaks to you regularly. So what is he telling you today? What is God speaking into your heart? How is he motivating you? How is he challenging you? Psalms 119.105, the word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. What is he saying today? What is he telling you? Thanks for listening to this episode of Twice Born Podcasts. If you are on Facebook or Instagram, please subscribe and follow us on YouTube. For more information, please visit twiceborn.net.